Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hello, everyone. It's Wednesday, so welcome to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. First, we would all like to thank you so much for listening and to subscribing. We've enjoyed so much seeing and reading your comments, not only through the podcast platform, but also just individually people reaching out to us. And we just want to say thank you so much for your continued support. We so enjoy doing this and are extra pleased that people seem to really enjoy it. I am Amy Gunn, and I am joined today by Liz Linovey, Erica Slater, Mary Simon, and Elizabeth McNulty. The crew's all here, (laughs) y'all. We do have Elizabeth and Mary who are participating remotely So if there's any difference in the sound of that, that would be why. I was thinking about the roller coaster that is COVID and how every day we are met with new experiences, trying to balance our practice with what's going on at home because most of us are working from home. And it, it made me think about the entirety of my legal practice. How we have ups and downs every day outside of COVID. And I thought it might be a good exercise to reflect on our best days and our worst days in practice thus far. And and what we've learned from that. And maybe we can take away some comfort that ups and downs, goods and bads, best days and worst days have been happening for years. So here is one of what I would consider to be one of my worst days. It was a number of years ago, a long, long time ago. No, in a different galaxy. No, it really is not. It felt like it at the time, but it was not. It was in federal court, which is not my favorite place to be. So it does feel a little bit like a different galaxy. But I was helping John Simon with a pretty significant product liability case. And oftentimes those end up and stay in federal court. So I was given a particular part of that case to argue in the pretrial. And it was an argument that we had made many times in state court. Every case just about has this particular legal issue in state court. And after a number of years of making that same legal issue in state court, there were certain foundational legal concepts that everyone pretty much accepted as true. And state court judges were used to hearing that argument, and it was almost perfunctory that you go through those foundational issues. Well, I took that for granted. I took it for granted that the federal court would also be aware of these foundational legal issues and sort of started at, you know, the the second story. I didn't start in the basement. I didn't even start at the first floor. I started the second story of this argument. And my goodness, the judge did not follow me. The judge was not appreciative of me starting at the second level of that argument and really pushed back in an aggressive way, which I was taken aback by and quite frankly flustered by. So when he demanded to be informed of the foundational issues, like the statutory language from which my argument was based, I fumbled it because I, I took it for granted. 
and wasn't able to, you know, I was flipping through notes looking for the statutory language that we all sort of took for granted. And I am owning this. Um, I am totally at this moment and, and at that moment as well, owning my part in this worst day ever. But despite owning as much as I possibly can, I will also say that I believe the judge was a little aggressive and hostile to me in particular. And it was exacerbated by the fact that John Simon and several other members of our firm were sitting right there behind us. And the defendant, uh, this big product liability manufacturer, had, I don't know, 12 or so lawyers in the room. So it was embarrassing to me. And I don't, that doesn't happen all that often. We all work so hard to present our case and to look good and to sound good. And it just, we work so hard at that. When it just gets derailed like that, it's hard to recover. So I did the best that I could, but I kind of slinked away from the podium, walked back from court with John. And I remember sitting down afterwards and and it was obvious that this was not a situation where he didn't notice. (laughs) So he said, to his credit, he sat down and was like, yeah, it'll be all right. You know, just, it'll be fine. That wasn't that bad. And I'm like, yeah, sure. But in order to, when you have your worst day ever to that point, I remember the after effect quite fondly, actually, because I went home. It was a Friday afternoon. I went home. I felt terrible. My boys were a bit younger. My husband, normally on Fridays, we would just head up the road to some restaurant to eat dinner. And we passed a car dealership (laughs) on the way to dinner. And my husband, who is so accommodating, more so than he should ever be, I literally point to the car dealership and he turns into it. It is a Fiat dealership, and Mama walked away with a new Fiat that night. So <laughs> affectionately known. The cutest little Fiat that ever existed. Oh, affectionately known as Dusty Blue. It was a light blue, white, ragtop convertible. Adorable. So that's how I made myself feel better. I'm not sure that would work for everybody. Just no. hopefully not many people are as ridiculous as I am or take humiliation as badly as I do, (laughs) that I need retail therapy of that level to feel better. But there is a good caveat. I will say the caveat is the next time we were in front of that judge on that case, he had read all the materials and he got as close to apologizing as I've ever seen a federal judge come to basically admitting that he had kind of overreacted um, and actually the the issue went my way like the legal issue went my way as it should have so I was vindicated just a little bit on that day but it was it was a tough row to get there I realized that the only thing I remember is Amy had a bad day and then she got that cute car oh <laughs> so, so you didn't actually so, know how bad it was yeah so no I think by <laughs> handling it in that way you completely erase the bad day and all we remember is that cute little car I like that <laughs> yeah. well I do think there should also be a little lessons learned to that 
which as I look back on that, it still feel like it physically feels badly. I can see myself standing there and mad at myself for not having the answers and knowing that I should have had the answers. And so the takeaway from that is two things. Number one, be prepared, be prepared, be prepared. I guess that's one, two, and three. And But the, the takeaway for me is know what you need to feel better. <laughs> I think it's called treat yourself. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. So, <laughs> yes. So I, I did that. But I did have an accomplice in my husband, so I didn't feel that badly about it. Okay. Let's then go to best day. Gosh, y'all, there really are so many. And they... They revolve around accomplishing something for my client, usually in the form of a verdict or a settlement. And this one goes way back, but I won an award a number of years ago and had to do a speech. And in that speech, when I was trying to think of things that were inspirational, I remembered getting a note from a client after we tried and won her case. This was a young woman who had been involved in an accident at a local, how should I say, museum. I put that museum in quotes. Had a bad experience at a local museum and had lost a couple of fingers. And we tried that case, we won that case, and she wrote me this note. My words can't describe my heart and the way that it feels. I feel that what we did in that court was huge. We beat the odds, but of course we did. We are women. I think that having someone believe in you is one of the most amazing gifts, and you have given me that gift for life. This was the hardest times in my life, and you were there to guide and comfort me. You are not only my lawyer, you are my dear friend. We work together as a team, and I will carry that team with me forever. I feel like I can do anything now. I am forever changed and forever proud. Thank you for holding my hand and fighting for me. And I, I can get emotional now more than 10 years later. It's just so timeless. Ladies, the power that we have in our career to affect this kind of change for people is invaluable to me. And I will say I am lucky and and privileged enough to have gotten notes like this over the years, and I cherish each and every one of them. So when I think about my best day, it is always about being able to accomplish the the pinnacle of what we can do as plaintiff's attorneys in this career. And that is truly and honestly make someone's life better. And I don't know how many professions have that. I, I've, I, you've got some in the healthcare industry. You've got some out there. But man, aren't we lucky for that. Whenever I have a terrible day, I am always lifted up and carried on to the next one by notes like this. So best day, worst day. Erica. Oh, man. Well, let me start here. See episode 104 for Thunder Tears. That, I think, is my worst day. (laughs) So we're not going to rehash that here. But I'll start with my best day. 
early on in my career, I was working on a trial that ended up, it was a product liability case. There were three, four lawyers on each side. The highest ranking people at my firm were involved in the case. And the partner that I was working with, it was a big case for him. And I was really glad that I was the associate that he put on it. So yes, I was on the defense side, but this was a really big opportunity. And we tried this case. It was two, maybe two and a half weeks in federal court. So it was a long case. It, it drug on for, you know, two and a half years. And it really spanned most of the time that I was at this firm. So at the end of the case, we got a defense verdict. And I really do believe in that verdict. And it was a really, really hard fought case. And I remember when the jury was reading the verdict, I was not at counsel table. I was third chair technically. And so I was sitting right behind counsel table. My eyes shot to the ceiling because like tears came to my eyes because it was such a relief Mm -hmm. after, you know, years of working on a case. I was so passionate about it. I took so many depositions in it and it just really consumed a lot of me learning about our career and learning how to litigate. And there were just so many firsts for me in that case. So to have the result that we were working towards, and I loved our client. Oh my gosh, our client was just so cool and such a cool person. And I knew it was really personal to him too, because his company that he had built from the ground up was, this was a bet the company case. Mm. If they had lost, it probably would have closed the company. So I felt so foolish in the moment because I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going to cry, right? Like I'm the only girl (laughs) on the team. Yeah. But when I think back, like it just felt like such an emotional and reaction and it was just such a breath of relief. And, and I just kind of, you know, when I think about like, what are my best days? Like most of those surround really getting the result for a client that I really, really like. And to me, and I hope this is important to our listeners too, yes, we believe that the work we do as plaintiff's attorneys is really important. But in our profession, it's I'm not so jaded that it's just one side against the other. If you're working on important, complex cases for people who you can really get behind whatever their plight is or position in that case, and you feel really good about it, and you've slept on it, and, you know, talk to your maker, whoever you talk to, (laughs) and you feel good about what you're doing, that's where the good stuff is. So that was probably my best day when I think of victories in our career. Now my worst day, which which is kind of, um, it's not too dark. It will sound like that for a moment, but the lesson at the end is really about perspective. So, Amy, you and I tried this MedMal case that we lost. It was a no-offer MedMal case, so we had no choice to but to try it. And our client was behind us. She understood that we were ready and going to get in there and, and take the best swing that we could because they left us no choice. It was in a rural county. You know, the cards were stacked against us. And it was the first MedMal case that I had led. So at the time, my wife was 20 weeks pregnant. And I remember that because on Thursday of the five-day trial, she had her anatomy scan for her pregnancy. And as most women who are familiar with this know, that's the big scan where, you know, you go to the ultrasound and they check everything, brain development, kidney, all that stuff. 
So she was having that scan on Thursday of our five-day trial, and it was the only appointment I didn't go to go with her to. I mean, like I went to a blood draw with her. We were like so involved <laughs> in this process. So of course she knew I couldn't come and, you know, she was going to let me know how everything went. And I got home that night and, you know, she said, everything went fine. You know, tell me what's going on with the trial. Of course I got home late because I was going to close Friday morning. So Friday comes along, we close the case, jury goes del- and deliberates, came back with a defense verdict. But our client was really happy with the job that we did for her, and she knew that we were fighting so hard for her. And I got a good compliment from the judge, which I treasure. That's almost made it one of the, the best days, the compliment mm-hmm. from the judge. So that was really important to me. But then I got home on Friday, and I had a wonderful meal that my wife got me. I crashed for three hours and uh, then woke up at like 4 p.m., and my wife told me the bad news that she got at the anatomy scan. And it wasn't terminal news or anything like that. Our daughter is totally fine. But uh, it was really concerning. And we were looking down the road at a lot of extra monitoring. And it was, it was a really, you know, I didn't see that coming, obviously. And in the moment, I was so glad that Kristen had spent literally the last, you know, 24 hours reading up and studying and, you know, having answers kind of for us. And she had made the decision not to tell me until after the trial was over. So the moral of what I see is one of my worst days was that I realized it wasn't the loss of the trial. It wasn't thinking about, you know, our victories and our losses in what we're doing. It was such a perspective on this is the most important thing in my life is my family and I know that they have my back. So that's a little emotional for me to tell that story, but I never questioned her decision not to tell me. It was 150% the right call, and I was just so amazed by her not being selfish and and making that decision. And um, I was so thankful for her in that moment and knew that you know, no matter what happens to any of us in our career, that people that we call our family are the most important. So. Yes. 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 And I have to take a breath. We we kind of like Kristen. I mean, we kind of like her. <laughs> she sort of fits in. I mean, she's kind of cool, awesome. I guess. Oh, she was such a badass that day. I mean, she's cooler I, than all of honestly, us. Honestly, the, sel- I mean, the selflessness of that and so the... Much ability to put into perspective and to really respect you and where you were at that moment is really remarkable. It really was. Yeah. And and there has been no better example in my life and in our relationship of she just gets it. Yep. And that told me that for the rest of our lives I'm in the right place professionally, I'm in the right place personally and that you know, it made such a bad situation be okay. Right. Because it was going to be okay. And it is okay. And she it was is. perfect. <laughs> we did a ton of monitoring, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was never bad news after that. So, anyway. Good job. So, with that, anyone else want to oh go next? <laughs> yeah, that's a hard Sorry, one to guys. follow up with. It's so interesting, Erica, hearing about your worst day because it kind of combined work and 
your personal life. Right. And I think that we all at some point in our career, if you're a trial attorney, you're going to have that moment where you have to talk with your family or your significant other about what this job entails, the amount of time it takes, especially away from home. Shortly after I was licensed, I had an opportunity to help with a trial. And at that time, I was also, you know, planning a wedding and just other stuff going on in my in my home life that I was like, well, I know what it's going to take to get this case to a trial. And I know the amount of work that's going to go into it with me doing most of the pre-trial drafting. So I just have a specific memory one day at work that had been weeks of just working nonstop, doing final tweaks before the trial while also being excited for trial, but just you're not getting enough sleep. You're not really eating before a trial. You're nervous. You want everything to go right. You want the attorney who you're working with to be proud of the work you're doing. You don't want to make mistakes, but you also don't know what you're doing. Easter came and went during this time period. I was at the office the whole time. I think that there are some changes that I can make for myself as far as planning. And and I learned a lot in that, but I have such a distinct memory of going to the office and the moment where you're just kind of at your breaking point where if one person tells you one more negative thing about the work you're doing or what have you, I just remember I just was so exhausted. Thank God my fiance at the time, Mark, he's also an attorney, but he knows he just gets it. He knows the amount of work that can go into us. And I got to the office and there was a pretrial issue that I had in, you know, I had gone over a countless number of times and I knew it backwards and forwards. And I just, you know, I was told that part of it was wrong and that I should have done A, B, and C things differently. And it was a reminder that I had a whole bunch more work ahead of me of redoing things that I had already done. And I just, I did not have the mental energy or capacity to take that information in a productive way. So I remember I just got up from my desk and I just left the office, went for a walk, got a coffee, sat down on a bench outside and called Mark. And I was like, well, I just, I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing this job. I'm questioning everything. I have no idea what I'm even doing. And am I in the right profession? Did I ask the right questions? What do I need to do better? And you just spiral in your own head about your ability. And I just remember having a a break from the office for a little bit and a conversation with my support system at home changed my perspective on things and allows you to process the input you're getting from folks that you're working with or for in a way that you don't you don't have to take it personally if someone gives you feedback in a way that you don't really want to hear it or something. That was my worst day because I physically had to get up and just walk out of my office. I had never done that before. And I was thinking, man, this is going to be rough. (laughs) And to the upside of that, I did learn a lot. And I think that my worst day kind of paved the path for me to have my best day. I worked on a case with a client who I got really close to. This one client in particular, she had a lot going on in her home life. And as it got closer and closer to trial, she would share a lot more with me because she was nervous. And at the end of it all, it was a great outcome for her. And she did the same thing. She just called me and said, I don't think I would have been able to get through this if you wouldn't have picked up the phone every time I called. And I know that it wasn't every time I had to ask you a legal question, but sometimes you were the only person who believed me. 
And I just needed someone to listen to me and say, I believe you. And that gave me the boost that I needed to get through the next step of trial. And those moments outweigh any amount of hours of no sleep (laughs) for me or stress. (laughs) It just, it just cancels it all out. And it reminds me that not only am I completely capable of doing a good job, I actually am doing a good job because the people who I need to be doing a good job for uh, the most are telling me I am. So it was validating for me, but also a moment of gratitude for me to know that I'm, I am in the right profession. And even when it seems like it's really hard and the hours are piling up, it is, it's so worth it when you can help your clients. Very true. And I think it's wonderful that we have that opportunity to, to have those best days. It makes me think, though, that so many of our worst days can also be best days if we step back, understand what's happening, and commit to changing it or doing it better. So, Liz, would you like to go? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So when we had initially talked about this idea for a podcast episode, I sat down and tried really hard to think of my worst day. I've been pretty lucky that most days are pretty good, but I did try to sit down and think about the really, really bad ones. And it was not a fun exercise. I did not like it. Zero out of 10. Would not recommend. <laughs> but I did it. And I thought of um, the, the first trial I was ever a participant in where we lost. And I held it together in court. And then I went home and cried. And then I thought about the first trial that I got to do the jury selection for and how a judge insulted me and how I held it together in court and then I went home and cried. (laughs) And then I settled on a case that still haunts me because it created bad law, in my opinion. So not only does it haunt me, it haunts Every attorney in the state of Missouri. (laughs) Sorry, guys. So, all right, strap in, sit down. (laughs) When I first started here, Amy, I I work a lot with Amy. I've talked about that before. And she came to me and said, I'm going to give you a really big assignment. I would like you to research and draft an appeal for us for a med mal that she had tried before I started working here. So I was not a participant in the trial itself, but there were some, what we believe, errors. And Amy had filed the notice of appeal, and now it was time to actually draft the brief and and file that. And she gave me that opportunity, and I was very thankful for it because I actually, I like writing appeals. I had taken moot court in law school and it was something I enjoyed and I, I like researching and I like writing. So it was a it was a cool opportunity for me. And I remember getting the trial file. So just thousands of pages of the trial testimony and, and I needed to catch up on it because I wasn't at trial. I didn't know everything that was said. And I still remember making these pages as small as I possibly could cramming them into a three-inch binder and taking that binder with me everywhere. That way, if I had a free moment, I could start to work through this transcript. And side note, I took this binder with me on a bachelorette trip to Austin, (laughs) Texas. I was sitting in an airport while my friends were drinking and taking shots and like 
posting fun photos on Instagram and like the total nerd that I am, I am huddled in the corner of the airport just reading from this binder because I'm trying to catch up on this transcript so I can prepare the brief. You are welcome for that opportunity. That's the most Liz thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) So I had really worked hard on this and I had poured my soul into this and gotten this this brief and I thought it was in good shape. I thought the arguments were sound. I was ready to go. We filed it. We won at the appellate level. We won. I mean, that was huge. Not only did we win, we proceeded to get an award for being an <laughs> for being an influential appellate advocate because we had essentially created new law in Missouri and that was a huge deal for me. I was so proud of that award. Well, for anyone who isn't as familiar with how our legal system and our courts are set up, when a party loses an appeal, there is one more level that you can you can try for. And in Missouri State Court, that is the Missouri Supreme Court. And so the party that lost the appeal, the defendant, or I guess respondent if I'm being formal, whatever, (laughs) they filed their notice of appeal to take it to the Supreme Court. And so I got the opportunity, I'm going to call it an opportunity, to (laughs) rework my (laughs) brief to submit it to the Missouri Supreme Court, which is a huge deal for any attorney at any stage of their practice, but was an especially big deal for me because I was still fairly green at this. And again, I worked really hard on it. I poured my soul into this brief and we submitted it. And lo and behold, we lost. And that hard work, that hard work felt not only undone, but it had a an outcome that not only affected my client, but I think affected a lot of attorneys who practice the type of work that we practice. And it was a heartbreaking outcome. And it still haunts me to this day because it's still the law in Missouri. I still have to live with that. And I remember when that opinion came down, I did not cry. I actually didn't cry this time. I we did took, drink, though. We took shots. We in the took middle of shots. The day. What I should have been doing in the airport <laughs> when I initially started this project, converted to what I was doing in the office that day. We took one shot, gave ourselves the opportunity to uh, sort of wallow. Yes, wallow in our disappointment and our failure. And I would I go th- with anger. I'm still angry. Yes. Still certainly angry. I'm like semi-shaking right now. But I think about an hour later, I went back to my office and I answered some emails and I worked on some other things because as terrible of a day as that was, life goes on. There's still another case. There's always a next case. And so what that experience taught me was that not only does life go on, but sometimes all you can do in this career is give it all you got, lay it all on the line, and hope for the best. And you can put in the time, the effort, the work. You can be the smartest person in the room, the most prepared person in the room, and it's still just not going to go your way. And that's something that is a really tough pill to swallow, but the longer you do it, the better you get at it. 
And so at the time I was still disappointed, today I'm still disappointed, but it's a story that I can, I can tell with some relative ease. <laughs> I will probably go home and drink after this now that I've had to <laughs> relive it. Relive it. <laughs> you want a car? <laughs> uh, well, and this actually maybe a goes, moped, a moped. <laughs> but this does sort of loop into my best day, which I'm going to say is a multi-part series as well, <laughs> because it once again found me in appellate court. So my best day is is easy. It's the first jury trial that I won. I was so stressed out, especially when when we had initially gone into the case. It was no offer case. And when they don't offer you any money, you have no choice but to just shoot your shot. But as the trial went on, they started putting money on the table. And as the amount of money went up, I could see the wheels in my client's head start to turn. And she said something to me along the lines of, that's a lot of money that they're offering. You know, I could pay off some bills. I could afford my dream wedding with that money. And I had to talk her out of taking it because I knew, or I had convinced myself that I knew, that the case was worth more than that and that the jury was going to give us more than that. But there's also that, that nagging feeling of there's no guarantees in, in this job. So even as confident as you may feel, that jury could have come back with a, a zero verdict and I have lost this woman her dream wedding. But I convinced her to stick with it, to stick with me, to trust me, and wait for a jury verdict to come back. And sure enough, about 15 minutes after I had gotten her to say no to their offer, the jury came back with a verdict, and it was more than three times what they had, their last offer had been. And that was an incredible feeling, not just getting that verdict, but having played my cards correctly and having my client trust me so completely that she made this huge decision. And then not only that she trusted me, we delivered on it. But then after our successful verdict, the defendant filed their notice of appeal. <laughs> and I found myself drafting my next appellate brief. And again, the first one had not gone so well for me. So I was feeling like some minor trauma from that, <laughs> feeling really worried that, you know, I'm going to screw this up again. And again, I, I recognize that I didn't screw that first one up. Sometimes things just happen that way. But in my brain, I thought I was going to screw this up again, and they're going to take this verdict away from me. And I worked on the brief and I submitted it. I, I got to argue it in front of the court. And not only did I get to argue it in front of the court, the court decided that it was an interesting enough case that it should be part of our traveling docket. And I got sent to a high school in rural Missouri to argue my case, do the oral argument in front of a room full of high schoolers, some of whom did not realize that I was an actual attorney and not an actor. <laughs> And it didn't help that I was standing on a stage underneath a sign that said performing arts. <laughs> I'm sorry, I cannot stop from laughing. That was so funny, Liz. I was so awkward and I was so scared in front of these high school students. I started having like bad flashbacks of high school and we won that appeal. And so it was a bit of a redemption for me having lost 
an appeal before and then getting this verdict and getting to defend my verdict and winning sort of a second time, that was my best day, parentheses, S, end parentheses, because it was multiple days. But I learned a lot from both of those cases. And again, it's, it's just a matter of in this career, you have to leave everything out on the field and just hope for the best. <laughs> I'm like shaking. I don't like reliving that I trauma. I didn't realize this was going to be so emotional and we could probably do this for hours. But Elizabeth, it's your turn. Well, after hearing these, I'm confident that my worst days are definitely ahead of me and not behind <laughs> me. But without a doubt, when you brought this topic up, I knew exactly what, what day I was going to discuss. And I am a young attorney, so I haven't dealt with that much uh, horrible things so far. But it was during a pre-trial in a really big trial that I was working on. So we were about to file like 40 motions in limine. We had been up for like three days in a row working on them and also anticipating the responses that we would need to file at the end of the week. But I had to go argue at a hearing something unrelated to an unrelated case. And I was opposing the motion, and it was a pretty intrusive motion to compel. It seemed pretty open and shut. It wasn't like a very big issue, and it was something that I didn't expect them to ever get their hands on. So I prepared for the hearing, but you know I wasn't overly concerned about it. I wrote in my argument, brought my cases, whatever. It also was my first actual hearing that was going to be contested. I'd done some other stuff, but this was the first one. So I got up early that morning. I was in my car driving, like it was an hour away. I happened to hit a skunk on the way there. Oh my God. And uh, in my new car, and I was just not happy. I went to swerve out of the way of the skunk, and the car in front of me hit it. So I hit it. It was a disaster. I was not happy. My car smelled like skunk. So then I go inside. And it's in in front of a judge I'd been in front of before. I said my piece, but I could tell that it wasn't necessarily going to go my way, which, you know, was surprising. But at that point, I knew that I needed to kind of cut my losses and not push farther. Or it was, you know, he he just like wasn't going to let me talk anymore. At one point, he said, like, why are you smiling? It was not fun. And, you know, I was not in a great place at the moment. So (laughs) I lost the motion. So I get back in my car. It smells like skunk. So I call the attorney that I was working with and I happened to call him when he was at his, you know, pre-trial before trial breaking point and he was not happy with what had happened. It just wasn't a good moment. And then I had 45 minutes on the way to drive back to the office to just kind of think over what had just happened in the previous two hours in my car that smelled like skunk. So <laughs> I was just thinking about it and I just, I, I, I was trying to find like the lesson because I knew that there was one. And part of it is that being a first year attorney is exhausting because everything you do is for the first time. And for me, I think that we have stressful jobs already and that adds a lot of stress because you have to think about every little detail. And at that point, I learned that you have to over-prepare no matter what it is. You have to be prepared for every point, but also sometimes 
you're going to come across judges or other attorneys who just aren't going to listen to you. They've made up their mind and it doesn't matter. And I don't think that there's anything you can do to convince them. And it's kind of like what Liz was saying earlier. You can be so prepared, but it's just not going to go your way. And you just kind of, you have to learn to not take it personally. And I think that that's kind of the lesson that I walked away with that day. And I don't know, trial stressful, pre-trial stressful, and you just can't let other people's or even your own just kind of stress seep into every part of your life. You can't, you can't take a lot of that stuff personally. And Elizabeth, you have learned that lesson so early in your career, it will do you so much justice as you go along. I know it's awful to have learned a lesson like that, period. Yeah. But to have learned it early and to have learned um, how to deal with it and get perspective on that is a gift to you. Well, and that kind of leads me to what my best day was because it's probably a pretty self-serving day. But I also hope that my best days are ahead of me as well as my worst. But I had been at the firm for two years and I've probably told this story before, but it was the day that I got the job offer to work here full-time as an attorney, just because, and after listening to all of your stories and I'd heard, you know, stuff like that before about just all of the change, the real change that we can make in people's lives. And that's what I wanted to do as an attorney. And I knew that working here full-time, it's something that I could do for a long time and continue to make positive change in people's lives. And that was really important to me. And I think that we're just so lucky to get to do this every day. And even on my worst day, I would always want to be doing what we do. Well, listeners, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We hope that our best days and worst days has have helped give you some perspective on your workplace and your career, whichever it may be. Uh, whether you're in law or in any other career, you're all going to have good days and bad days, worst days and best days. And I do think the lesson is just persevere. Just get through it. Find what makes you happy. How can you learn from it and put it in your back pocket and use it to make yourself stronger? So thank you again for another episode of the Heels in the Courtroom. Join us at heelsinthecourtroom.law. We'd love to hear your comments. We'd love to hear topics or anything you'd like to hear from us. We appreciate it very much. And if you like what you've heard, please subscribe. Bye. 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 <laughs> thank you. Bye. Heels in the Courtroom is brought to you by the Simon Law Firm. Connect with Amy, Liz, Mary, Erica, or Elizabeth at heelsinthecourtroom.law.